Welcome to the Ask Zach Show. I'm your host, Zach Childs. I've spent the last 30 years working in the music industry here in Nashville, Tennessee, during which I've done everything from touring with major artists like Brad Paisley and Carrie Underwood to playing the nastiest dive bars or even the occasional wedding. This show is all about barreling down the rabbit hole on all things guitar and the music we love. We will cover the legendary players, gear insights, and even some interviews along the way. I hope you enjoy. To support the show, follow the links in the description to find out about my Patreon page. Or go to my store at AskZach.com to pick up a coffee mug or t-shirt. Now, let's dive in. friends and welcome to Ask Zach. Today I'm going to tell the far-fetched tale of how my Strat here that Brad Paisley built me ended up getting borrowed by JD Simo to use with Chris Isaac to play at the Ryman here in Nashville, Tennessee. And of course, you know, got to play, uh, he got to play Wicked Game on, uh, on my uh, Brad Paisley built Strat. So today, I'm going to tell the story first about uh, JD and Chris Isaac, and then I'll go into the specifics of this Brad Paisley built uh, and finished and relict Stratocaster that he built for me. So this is going to be a fun one. First off, I need to thank all of my Patreon members because they are what keeps this show going, and I'm truly grateful to them. Secondly, I uh, just wanted to let you know that every Ask Zach episode has also been turned into a podcast. So if you're driving to Granny's house and don't have anything else to do and want to catch up on some uh, past episodes, well, uh, check them out. And they're everywhere. You know, they're on Apple and Spotify and everywhere else you'd want to listen to a podcast. All right, let's dive in. So now I'm going to tell the full story of the Strat later, but uh, I had just gotten this and, you know, Brad and I were still kind of tweaking some stuff. He was still kind of doing some aging stuff and I was doing some, uh, you know, getting it set up the way I wanted to. I was learning things about, uh, oh, kind of like the Eric Johnson method of kind of winding up the low E and A strings and sometimes using the string tree for certain strings like the high E but not for the B and just different things trying to keep the floating tremolo uh, in tune. And again, I know there's a lot of people that responded to my to float or not to float uh, video 
about how they like to deck it but still use the tremolo. I have no problem with that. That just has never worked for me. There's a lot of guitar players I love that use that, but I've never been able to make it work. And also, to me, one of the greatest things about the tremolo on the Strat is the fact that it can go up and down and have such a smooth waver. So, all right. So, let's get back into the story. I See, I get sidetracked. I go down the rabbit trail. So, I had just seen JD earlier that day at uh, Glazer Instruments, and I think I was aging some screws or something like that. I can't remember exactly what I was doing, but, uh, you know, I saw JD and, you know, and, and saw Joe Glazer and Nick and all the guys, Aaron, Parker, and a lot of the other wonderful cats down at uh, Glazer Instruments. Adam, also, another another favorite. Uh, and... You know, we, uh, you know, we were just kind of hanging out, and then I left, went back home. It was on a Friday, and I was catching up on emails, doing, you know, a variety of different work, and all of a sudden, I get a call from JD, and JD says, hey, can I borrow your Strat? And first, there's kind of a, sorry to say this, but it's kind of a what the hell moment. It was like, you know, I just got this thing, and I've been tweaking on it, and so then he says, I just got a call from Chris Isaac's management that uh, they're wanting me to play with him at the Ryman, that his uh, regular longtime guitar since the mid-90s, Herschel Yedovitz, was uh, under the weather and he was not going to be able to make the gig at the Ryman on Monday, but they didn't want to cancel the show. So JD had played on a Christmas album for Chris uh, recently. And had I maybe had done some other sessions for Chris Isaac. And so that's why he got the call. So, and the reason that JD wanted to borrow this strat was one, he had already checked it out and knew that it was a really good strat. It's an amazing strat, actually, uh, you know, without getting too uh, over the top about it. But uh, he said, I don't own a strat right now that, uh, that has a tremolo bar. You know, the only Strat that he had is a Glazer-made Strat from the early 80s that, uh, that's a hardtail. And he said, you know, of course, I've got to play Wicked Game. I've got to play it on a Strat. And uh, he said, can I borrow it? I said, sure. So we, uh, so, you know, we were both busy. And so he said, can you bring it over? And I said, well, can we just meet up at, a, you know, a gas station? Because that's always, that's what you do. You meet up at a gas station and pass off a Strat. So that's what we did. We met at the... Uh, at a gas station in Franklin, Tennessee. And, you know, I handed off this Strat in a gig bag. And, uh, you know, I told him, you know, a little bit, you know, about, he said, what strings you put it on it? I said, I put, you know, NYXL, D'Addario's, uh, you know, 10 through 46. And I told him about the trick, you know, I was doing with, you know, so that he, you know, cause I knew he was gonna probably wanna change strings, even though I just put a, a fresh set on there. So, uh, so he had to uh, butt, bust his butt, as it were, learning, uh, I think, pr- roughly 30 tunes. And uh, that was from Friday evening at 5.30 to 3 o'clock the next day on Saturday. That's when the rehearsal was. And I know JD, and I know that he really busted his rear end, and he learned all the tunes, and uh, he told a really funny story, and... Uh, I'm not going to use the expletive, but uh, he said that uh, you know they were going through the songs, and uh, and Chris Isaac told him he said I'm still waiting for you to f up, and of course he didn't use that; he used the real word. 
But uh, anyway, uh, JD very much impressed uh, Chris and the rest of the band, and he did an amazing job. And he even surprised them by learning some of their kind of choreographed dance moves. He uh, he found you know video of uh, a recent concert, and he sh saw you know when the band would do certain moves and things like that on certain songs, and. Uh, and so he surprised them. He didn't do it in rehearsal. He did it at the show at the Ryman, and uh, he completely bowled over Chris and the rest of the band. So on Sunday, he uh, he texted me and he said, "Hey, if you'd like tickets for the show," and I was kind of hoping. I didn't want to ask, but I was hoping he would offer you know tickets to the show since I was uh, letting him borrow my uh, my brand new to me uh, Stratocaster. And so my wife Amy and I we went to the uh, to the show on Monday night at the Ryman, and I have to say that I I enjoyed Chris Isaac, but was not a big Chris Isaac fan, and I was only familiar with probably four of his tunes. My wife Amy was only familiar with Wicked Game; she didn't know the rest of them. But I have to tell you that is one of the best shows I've ever seen. Chris Isaac. He's 67 years old. He still sings like a bird, um, you know, in the best connotation of that. And he is quite the entertainer. I mean, he is a great, great, great charismatic uh, entertainer. And he really had the audience in the palm of his hand. He did such a great job. Um, you know, he comes out in a, uh, you know, Manuel, you know, kind of nudie suit. I mean, real classy uh, you know, black, but with a lot of bling on it. And, uh, and then later on, he came out on the, in the encore with this outfit that was all made of mirrors and, uh, it must've weighed a hundred pounds, but, uh, Chris sang wonderfully. His band has been with him for golly, I think, I think closing in on 30 or 40 years. Um, and JD, you know, to the to someone that didn't know, everyone thought that JD was his current guitar player, and uh, and that just goes to show how much work that uh, JD put into it in uh, in really fitting in. And he told me he said uh, he said I just thought about what John Jorgensen would do if he was going to play with Chris Isaac, which meant he was going to dress the part, he was going to learn everything backwards and forwards, he was going to learn dance, he was going to fit in, he was going to you know, going to be a chameleon and just go right into it. And which is exactly what he did. And he killed it on every solo that he played. Of course, it was really fun seeing him. He used this about 30%, 30 to 40% of the time. He also used his uh, Danocaster telly that's wonderful. And he used an ES5, and he used his old uh, 62 uh, Red 335 that he calls Red. And he used his, uh, which I'm using one today also, he used his Headstrong uh, Little King, you know, with a 12 in it. And uh, that's what he uh, played through. And he had a second one as a backup, the the, the bigger one that, well, it's, it's the same size, but it has six L6s in it, and it's uh, kind of a brown color. But he just used his... Uh, his black one, and he had his usual little pedal board that had like a, uh, it has like a Nobles and uh, you know a couple other stomp boxes on there, and uh, yeah, he did a fantastic job, and it was it was a real hoot, and uh, you know of course we got to chat some after the show, and uh, yeah, it was it was fantastic. 
So a little bit about uh, you know Wicked Game, uh, just because you know it's it's such a cool part uh, that you know you could. It's just a, a really really killer part, and that was originally you know the guy that came up with that was. Uh, was Chris's original guitar player, James Calvin Wilsey, who uh, you know was with him throughout the 80s and through the, uh, the mid-90s when uh, Herschel took over. And uh, apparently, uh, James used uh, a reissue Stratocaster with a deluxe reverb, and then in, uh, in post, I think there were some other effects added, like a Roland SDD 3000 and maybe some other things were added. But uh, it's a really neat part. I love the fact that you you have really great um, you know tremolo bar part, and it sounds so stratty. It sounds like the net pickup to me, and uh, you you kind of have this pre-bend, um, you know the. You have you know where you hit the note, you bend it down, then you hit the second note, and then you release the tremolo bar. And it just, uh, it's a great part. And of course, you have all the arpeggiated parts and everything. So that's a beautiful, beautiful, iconic part. And especially in a time when, uh, you know, this is kind of when hair bands and uh, we're about to, we're kind of, you know, tailing off and you're about to get into grunge. And really, there was Wicked Game and the other Chris Isaac material, and he had Tom Petty. And really, there weren't that many other guys that were kind of going for what I would think of as more straight-ahead guitar parts, uh, you know, more rock and roll guitar. And of course, you know, the Wicked Game guitar part, you know, it sounds like it could have been done by the Shadows uh, more so than the Ventures, uh, just because of the, uh, you know, that sounds like a Hank B. Marvin kind of uh, guitar part to me. So I don't know if that was an influence on James. Of course, James has passed away. He had. Uh, he had some substance issues, but uh, what a great player, and uh, yeah, and what a great guitar part. All right, I guess it's time to talk about the Strat. So, I, uh, you know, I went to college with Brad Paisley. I was a guitar tech for a period of time back in the early 2000s, and then we've just maintained our, our, our friendship, and uh, you know, we just enjoy talking about guitars and uh, geeking out on stuff like that, and that's what we do. And, you know, he built a, uh, a wonderful Blackguard Telecaster for me that I'll tell that story at some other point. Uh, and I used that when I went to Vegas. So that's the guitar you see me, you know, in the, uh, in the you know, was that Street Talk, Las Vegas? Yeah, that's the one that I have in that episode. And I'd had that for about a month or two. And all of a sudden he asked me, he said, do you have a Strat? I said, no, I don't have a Strat anymore because the last Strat I had was a Danocaster Strat and I had to sell it to get my 57 Esquire. And so I hadn't had a Strat in years. And he said, well, I'm going to build you a Strat. I said, well, have you built a Strat? He said, well, not really. I said, okay, great. And so uh, he told me, he said, um, I have a lot of this stuff, but I need you to buy a couple things. And so I just got on Reverb and, and bought a, a U.S reissue you know bridge and and some of the plastic and such and i had a set of ron ellis pickups that uh, the 5060 set 
And uh, so when he provided the rest, he, uh, he found a body with a very striking ash uh, figuring, and he got this uh, neck, and he reshaped the body, so he changed, you know, he made this, the contours more severe, kind of like they were in the, in the 50s, and he also worked on the, uh, you know, this part of the, the shaping, and he, he did some reshaping on the body. He got a neck, uh, this, is, this is an actual fender neck, uh, I think it's, you know, probably, you know, 10 or 15 years old that uh, I'm not sure if it was a regular you know, factory model or if it was a custom shop one, but it's really big. And he reshaped it to be a soft V uh, because that's kind of a favorite neck shape for, uh, for both of us. And yeah, and so he, he did all the finish work on this and then he did all the relicking. And so I hope you can see all of the, the cracking and such and uh, even you know, the wear that's on like the switch tip and the knobs and uh, even there's even a uh, cigar burn here that he did with one of his cigars and uh, yeah, nice wear on the back of the neck. You can see that the back of the guitar is much less uh, glossy, but uh, yeah, got a nice neck plate on there. It's just a, a fantastic guitar. And, uh, and just the amount of work that went into doing this, uh, the aging and finishing on this. And also he doesn't have a, like a paint booth or anything. He's just using rattle cans and little, you know, little other kinds of spray cans that he has. And this is, you know, he, he does this all just <laughs> out of his little shop. And, uh, yeah. And so he, uh, aged, you know, the pickup covers and aged the, the bridge and everything. And uh, one of the really funny things was when we put the pickups in, um, these two Ron Ellis pickups just sounded amazing. And for some reason, the bridge one was just not working. And so we tried a couple of different vintage type, you know, Strat pickups and none of them sounded right. And I think it's because this guitar is somewhat on the bright side which is really good for these two pickups, but it puts this pickup in a rough position because this pickup, you know, a Strat Bridge pickup is pretty bright. It's brighter than a Telecaster, even though people don't want to admit that. And it has less body because it's not mounted in a, in a plate or anything and it doesn't have a bottom plate. Well, Brad said, uh, let's pull this, the bridge pickup out of this guitar over here. And uh, he said, I remember it sounding really fat. And so we, uh, we pulled it out and it ended up being a Seymour Duncan twang banger. So that's a, uh, you know, a vintage style pickup that actually has sand cast magnets. And then, uh, and then it has a, uh, a copper, uh, well, it's a steel plate that's copper coated, it's copper plated and uh, that's on the bottom, kind of like a Telecaster. Uh, and that apparently boosts output and especially boosts like low end and low mids. So uh, ended up being a really great combination. And usually I'm not really a big, uh, you know, I usually don't mix a lot of pickups, but uh, the combination of the, uh, the, the 25060 Ron Ellis, uh, and of course I was playing on the neck pickup then, uh, these two pickups are just amazing. And then this one, uh, you know, it has enough uh, oomph 
to it to keep up with these guys with the uh, with the bottom plate and everything. And of course, I always wire every strat like the you know the EJ the Eric Johnson thing where I wired this tone control to the bridge pickup instead of it being on the uh, on the middle pickup. So yeah, so that's the story of this guitar, and uh, it's really a lot of fun. It's a it's a great great instrument, and uh, yeah, and I've had a little help you know, in the setup department from uh, Nick over at uh, Glazer's shop. He did a little work on the nut and such, but uh, otherwise, yeah, really have enjoyed this. Well, I hope you've enjoyed today's episode. I do want to say one other thing before we before we leave, and that's just that uh, I want to say congratulations to my buddy uh, Jimmy Olander. He got on the cover of Vintage Guitar Magazine, and thanks to Ward Meeker for uh, writing a great article and for putting him on the cover. So I thought that was really nice. So go out and check out that article that Ward Meeker wrote on uh, Jimmy Olander. All right, guys, I hope you've enjoyed today's episode. And I'll see you next time. Bye-bye. Show them what you learned how to do, J.D. Thanks for listening to the Ask Zach podcast. If you want to dive deeper, check out my website, askzach.com, to find more articles and further info on each episode. And remember, it is the support from you, the listener, that keeps the show going. Thank you, friends.